Before we start today's episode, I wanted to let you know that we start Your Power in a matter of days, and I am simply bursting at the seams with excitement. Your Power is my signature three-month program that dives into the core framework of my teachings, which is brain, body, and behavior. This course is going to change your life. That is without a shadow of a doubt the truth. This course I spent almost three years building, refining, researching, and creating based on my own personal development journey, based on what I have observed and what I have learnt. And what I have discovered is the key to creating the life of your dreams. This course is all you will ever need to know when it comes to personal development, when it comes to being the best version of yourself. It's where science meets high-level mentorship. It's where you will get to see the undeniable evidence of how everything that you desire can become your reality. It's where you get to experience learning that is badass, it is potent, it is intimate, and it's just fucking fun. This course is everything that you will ever need to know about being the best version of yourself and creating the best version of your life. Your power kicks off on the 5th of June and doors will be closing, meaning you will not have the opportunity to join or take part in the course until the next round. If the timing isn't aligned for you this time, that is okay. I will see you in the next round or whenever the time is right. But I want you to know that this three months is going to change the way you see and do life forever. So if everything else is aligned and it is merely the fear of the unknown holding you back, don't let it get to the next round and it be a wish that you did it sooner. Welcome, gorgeous human, to Your Power Podcast. My name is Em Rose, and I am a business, brain health, and personal development coach. I combine the passion that I have for science-based personal development with the experience that I have in business, and every day I get to work with powerful humans who want to create big, bold lives. I am here to educate you on the innate systems, processes, and functions that got me to where I am today. Those being the power of your brain, the profound functions of your body, and the compounding behaviors that we can use to leverage them. I am encouraging change in the narrative of what it means to create a big life. And that is by choosing to instead focus on the science of small behaviors. I educate on the tools behind the tools. I remove the bullshit. I'm here to make science sexy and I'm here to make caring about your brain and body badass. Most importantly, I'm here to show you how achieving everything that you have ever wanted for your life gets to be fucking easy. Welcome to part two of the guest episode with the gorgeous Tara Elizabeth. If you have not yet listened to part one, please jump back into the show list and find the first part. Otherwise, let's jump right in to part two of our interview. And now I actually want to have a conversation with Tara, who is an industry leader in the ADHD space. And I want to start with, let's go back to 
Um, I know we kind of mentioned it in the last part, but let's go back to your personal journey with ADHD. How did you get to the diagnosis? What was your experience like? Yeah, so when I was really young, so three, four, I think I mentioned, um, I was having a lot of like issues at the preschools I was at. My mum was having a lot of issues with me. Um, so she obviously sought help. And um, at that point in time, I was from like a small country town. Um, but at that point in time, I guess the the health the healthcare profession didn't really know that much about ADHD, like compared to what we know to like about today. So mm. the doctor, um, I guess, I don't actually know if he gave me like a formal diagnosis, but the conversation was very much there. Your daughter probably has ADHD. Um, and at that point, um, my parents were very much, because of what he had mentioned, like very much under the impression that the, the next step was to be medicated. Um, and so that was something that didn't align with them simply just because they didn't have the understanding around it, right? So like you're not mm. going to put your your child that's four years old on medication or even think about it if you don't understand what it's for, what it's like purpose it serves, um, the benefits, and then what happens if you don't, you know, kind of do that. So I was, I guess, diagnosed when I was quite young at three and then three or four. And then basically it just became a thing that I was aware about, like I knew that I I had ADHD, but that was it. Like that was, it was just a knowing. It was never brought up in conversations. It was never brought up in, like it was never brought up to my teachers really. It was never something that was like kind of like spoken about because there was nothing really to speak about. So it wasn't, like I said, until I was, um, yeah, finishing my psych degree, which is ironic too, because I learned about ADHD in my psych degree <laughs> and I still didn't have that aha moment. And that's actually an important point because I think that's why we're seeing such a big, um, kind of like movement or like, I guess a big thing that's happening in the ADHD space mm. because people are getting on social media and they're talking about their experiences. They're not mm. talking about a DSM five criteria. Yeah. Right. It's very different when you can see it acted out or you can see it in real time as opposed to it written down in a textbook and you ticking a box. So when I went mm. through my psych degree, I, I've read it. I read the diagnostic criteria and I was like, oh, yeah, like that's that's me. Like that's how funny. But like it didn't have that impact, didn't have that aha moment. So, um, yeah, it wasn't until after my degree that my housemate had that conversation with me where she was very much like, dude, you need to go get checked. Because I'd mentioned to her previously, I'd made a joke like, oh, it's probably like my ADHD. Um, but like that wasn't even a com that wasn't even a regular occurrence back then. Like I just didn't really speak about it. Um, yeah, so I went and got my diagnosis. And that in and of itself was very shocking. It was a shocking experience because I guess I think it's like any form of real like mental health um, I guess like neurodiversity is like you think ADHD or you think autism has a look, right? Mm. You think you can see it, but you can't see it. So when I actually went into the psychiatrist, psychiatrist was really good, but then I went in, came back in for the assessment or like the test. Um, and basically a psychologist was looking after me and he took me into the room and he was pretty much like, oh, another person that thinks they have ADHD. And I was like, 
what? <laughs> and I was like, oh, like, um, like, what do you mean by that? So I was like trying to like, like advocate for myself, but I was also like really taken back by what he'd said and like felt myself kind of getting like a little bit emotional. And then he was very much like, oh no, everyone's just getting diagnosed at the moment with ADHD. Um, and then he, he basically then just asked me something along the lines of like, what do you do for, like, what do you do for work? Or like, what do you do? And I said, oh, like I, I actually like just finished my uni degree. Um, and then he pretty much like looked me dead in the eye and he's like, you don't have ADHD if you can finish a degree. And oh I was like, God. I was like, okay, like, like, what do you mean by that? And he was like, well, first and foremost, you're too intelligent. Like you're obviously too intelligent. <laughs> and then I was like, wow. And then he proceeded to then tell me that um, basically because I could complete a degree, because I could sit there, watch lectures, um, participate in tutorials, do assignments, finish finish assignments, I, I couldn't have ADHD. Keeping in mind, I never submitted an assignment on time. Not <laughs> once, the entire thing. I'm pretty sure every single assignment I applied for an extension. I went to my GP and I was like, I need an extension. So embarrassing to admit, but that's the truth. <laughs> I also hired tutors my entire degree, not because I couldn't do the work, because which I now understand to be body doubling. I needed someone mm -hmm. to sit there with me to do the work because I couldn't fathom sitting there for like four or five hours completing an assignment. Mm. I also would get it done, like I said, very last minute. And in my whole entire degree, my the cohort, the people in my lecture or my yeah cohort would attest to this. I never attended lectures, probably like three a semester, same as um, tutorials. Anyway, that's I, I digress. <laughs> But um, the point being is that in that moment, I was very much like, wow, you have absolutely no idea how hard getting a degree was for me. Like it was not the same situation as, I guess, your neurotypical person. Um, so mm -hmm. I actually got really emotional. And to keep a long story short, he ended up doing the test, um, I guess, looked at the computer or looked at the computer or whatnot, got the results, came back in. I went into the psychiatrist's office and the psych psychologist was very like shocked by the results. He was like, like, oh, wow, like, I guess you do have ADHD and then just like walked out. And I was like, so I had so much whiplash from the whole situation. Mm -hmm. um, so I went from like being completely invalidated by one healthcare professional to then walking into back into my psychiatrist's room, which he was really lovely. And he was very much like, look, we've spoken to your parents on the phone we've got all of your like your um report cards all of your school reports like we can see the pattern the pattern's been there from the get-go um and he was yeah he was pretty much like yeah like you've got you've got um combined ADHD which is like the yeah the combined one you get the best yeah, of <laughs> yeah wow yeah, that uh, uh, around that mm, it's such a like a, this is I guess and I, I assume you have a with a lot of your clients about this but this is why it is very difficult for people especially women to actually yeah. make the step to go and do something like this um and I, I know you kind of touched on it then but something I wanted to ask you basically because of my personal experience in you know when I used to look at women with ADHD I would 
see them as like really cool. Like I'd be like, wow, they have all of these like cool superpowers in like the hyper focus and like I just saw them and they all just seemed so cool to me. And then the minute I was diagnosed, it was like I wanted to hide the fact that I was, that I had ADHD. And I, I want to know like how did you, when you got diagnosed, what was kind of, how did you come to terms with that diagnosis? Yeah, I think that's a, like, I think what you explained is a very, like, common experience. And I think it's because once you get diagnosed, like like you said, you think you're going to have these superpowers. And I think there's, like, two parts to this answer because I had a conversation with my partner around, because recently there'd been someone that I had mentioned, ADHD is like having a superpower, it's harnessing your superpowers. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, having hyperfocus at 3 a.m. in the morning isn't a superpower. Like, it's yeah. not a superpower. <laughs> You know, having hyperfocus to the point that I'm late to Mother's Day lunch isn't a superpower. There's a lot of shame in that. Like, anyway, peace around it. Like, I did feel a little bit like something was wrong with me or like I was broken to to a certain degree. Um, and I think I also had a really – so when, when I was in that psychiatrist, once I'd got the results and he was going through it with me, um, he then was giving me all these options. He was like, you know, you can go get – therapy you like you can go to a psychologist you can um, take this medication you're gonna have to take it every day I I'd never taken a regular medication I barely even taken Panadol and Nurofen so Mm -hmm. it was very much like I was like what (laughs) and then I think it just really like in like reinforced to me that like this is something this is a type of condition that like you actually there's a medication you can take every day for it and that to me was very like holy crap like this is a lot um there was also a lot in the sense of like there was a lot of um I don't know if the word shame I think it's more like dismissive I think that Mm. I learned pretty quickly that like as I started telling people like oh hey I actually like I actually do have ADHD um naturally you become really excited because you then start learning about it and then you start having a lot of those aha moments where you're like oh my god this is me this is why you know, I work better when there's someone sitting next to me. This is why soundproof headphones are so good. This is why I forget to eat. This is why. So you have all these aha moments and you naturally want to share them with people. But like something I've really like, I guess, discovered is that like people aren't always that receptive <laughs> to that, mm. to that. And they, there's, there's a lot of misconceptions around ADHD and a lot of um, beliefs core beliefs not just in people but in society as a whole that are really so far from the truth about ADHD and I think it comes back to what we're saying we're like people I felt like people were like just see the good in your ADHD it's not all bad like just learn to use it and I'm like it's not like that (laughs) um so Yeah. yeah I think that was a lot of a lot of dismissive aspects to that so yeah it was hard let's let's touch on that let's um take a look at I know this is part of your course because I got to see the inside of it but um (laughs) what are some of the the kind of biggest misconceptions around ADHD and, and beyond that what is ADHD yeah so I guess to kind of touch on the misconceptions, because sometimes, um, which you've seen in my course probably, um, it's better to actually look at what it's not first, right? So like to touch on, okay, let's get clear about what it's not and then we can get clear about what it is. So I guess one of the biggest misconceptions at the moment is that like, 
to have ADHD, you have to have that hyperactive component. So, mm. which we'll get into in a second, but like there's the three, there's actually three specific types of ADHD. So back in the day, it used to be ADHD and then there used to be ADD. So the ADD, what we used to know as ADD was attention deficit disorder. So it was just the attention for, like component that was um, mm. like, I guess, in that aspect. And then you had the attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. So that one had the hyperactivity. Whereas now we've got the three types, which is you've got um, the hyperactive impulsive, which is like, I guess, obviously, you've got your more hyperactive impulsive components, which is like your fidgeting, mm -hmm. your restlessness, your impulsive, your risk taking, um, that kind of component. Then you've got your inattentive, which is, so then you, the second type is inattentive, the inattentive type. And this is where you've got forgetfulness. You've got um, inattention to detail, missing things, like like all of that, like those kind of symptoms, which we can dive into. <laughs> um, and then you've got the combined type, which is the magical type where you get all of them. So yeah. I guess the key thing to remember as well is that even if you were diagnosed with the hyperactive type or the impulsive hyperactive type, it's not to say that you won't still have symptoms of the inattentive type. It just means that that's the predominant symptom that shows up. And then mm -hmm. the predominant symptom being inattention, that's the inattentive type. And the combined just means you have the predominant symptoms of both, if that kind of makes okay. sense. So yeah. when, yeah, so when we think about like the misconceptions, there's a big misconception around like ADHD looks like the little boy in a classroom that can't sit still, right? Mm -hmm. That's like the stock standard one. Um, and I guess, yeah, it's simply just that ADHD comes in different forms, a lot of different forms. Yeah. And it also looks differently across the lifespan, right? So it looks different in a in a child, like a young girl with ADHD versus a adult with ADHD. Like the young boy that couldn't sit still in class, that hyperactive component, it's not that he's running around an office at the moment. It's that when he's in the office, he's clicking a pen constantly or he's shaking his leg, like the fidgeting and that, turns into a different kind of it manifests in a different way um mm. so yeah there's that hyperactive piece and then there's the the idea that everyone currently like a big misconception at the moment is that everyone currently is getting diagnosed and it's so mm, it's a phase it's a tiktok trend <laughs> and it's it's a really look i think that it's like it's like anything there's two parts to that answer so the first being is that of course when there's a lot of awareness and a lot of talk about something there is that risk for people presuming that they have a condition when they don't right so if there's a lot of awareness happening around whether that's depression or anxiety like people may be like oh my god i have that like i've had a panic attack before it doesn't mean you have anxiety so mm -hmm. of course at the moment there probably is a lot of people potentially, um, I guess, presuming they have ADHD or going down that route. But also, mind you, it's not easy to get a diagnosis. You don't really have to be worried because, one, it's expensive. Two, yeah. it's not easy. You're not going to be able to just, like, get the diagnosis accidentally if the psychiatrist. Like, we have to put a little bit of trust in the healthcare system where, like, you've got people that have studied for like 10, 20 years and they've worked in the field long enough to know what is ADHD 
and what's not, and they're not going to willy nilly just be giving out diagnoses. I was going to so say they're not they're, just they're not just the process that I had to go through to get my medication. They aren't just handing that out. <laughs> no, and I mean the process to even remember to go and get your medication is hard. Like mm-hmm. you have to continually go back to the psychiatrist. So yeah. you know, let's say someone does get misdiagnosed, like they actually get the diagnosis and they actually get the medication. I guess that's probably an issue, but like that happens in, that, that happens in every in everything. That happens in anxiety, yeah. depression, bipolar. People get misdiagnosed all the time. So really it's about the awareness and kind of getting that clear message out. So the fact that that topic around everyone's overdiagnosed, that's the first piece is that sure, it actually there actually may be a couple people slipping through, but let's also trust the the people in the mm. industry that like they're going to be able to screen most of them that are accidentally. And acknowledge that, yes, it's because of the amount of awareness that's around right now that people are actually starting to identify and learn and see it within themselves. Yeah. And I, that's, yes, that, that's the second part is that like the, the three, four-year-old me that got a diagnosis, but didn't get help. You've got probably like 10 generations. Well, not even 10 generations. You've got like people, like our grandmas, like Mm. I can look at my grandma and she has ADHD, like without a doubt. So you've got people from like their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s that are all have never been diagnosed. So of course, if you've got all of these people, pockets of people from every generation going and getting a diagnosis, of course, the spike is going to go like that, right? Because It's like you've got a backlog, (laughs) you know, you've got decades of no one getting a diagnosis all of a sudden having the awareness around holy crap this is what's happening and then they're like okay here's the diagnosis right Mm. so it's a combination of you've got the the backlog happening but then you've also got the awareness I didn't even know I technically had ADHD and I didn't even know really what it was or how it manifested and yeah it's it's you, you can't get diagnosed for something unless you know about it so You've got even even for people in their 20s, that's 20 years of people that haven't got a diagnosis because they haven't had that awareness around it. So that's the the other point to that kind of answer. And then I guess the, the next misconception that like is probably something I'd want to talk about is the idea that like medication is the only treatment, mm, right? So Yeah, I did want to ask you about this. This is a really yeah. cool topic to talk about, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's a lot of like what you kind of like go into too. Like I know you've obviously, again, your power, like you are going into the science behind why things are good for you. And it it really does tie into a lot of ADHD. Like there is so much information. Actually, yeah, no, there is so much information out there about how to manage your ADHD naturally, but it's not super specific. And it's honestly, Mm. I've struggled to find really that, that much good information. So a lot of it's come down to trial and error and there are so many supplements, there are so many vitamins, there are so many foods, there is so much, I guess, exercise when, you know, when to have caffeine in the day, like 90 minutes after waking up, like when to get sun in the morning, when to go for the walk, when to go to sleep, taking magnesium before bed. Like there's so many ways that you really can manage ADHD. Um, Mm. And I think that's a really important piece. So like if you get diagnosed with ADHD, you don't have to go on medication. You can learn to manage it through coaching, through mentorship, through programs, educating yourself about it, but then also those really practical health kind of like related ways. So, yeah, they were probably like the key, I guess, misconceptions that I think are really important to to touch on. So, 
Yeah. Mm, and all very big ones that I'm sure everyone has heard before as well. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. Now, I know you mentioned it just briefly then, but I'd love to dive into the different, the three different types that you mentioned. Um, and what are some of the, I guess, um, symptoms or, or ways that these different types are kind of identified? Yeah. So you've got the, you've got the three types. So you've got the inattentive ADHD, and then you've got the hyperactive impulsive ADHD, and then you've got the combined ADHD Mm -hmm. or the combined type. Um, I guess, yeah, like similar to what I kind of explained, I actually wrote the symptoms down or like roughly wrote them down because with like, I guess, examples, because I wanted to make sure that I was like, I guess, covering them. So the inattentive type, it's kind of in the name, inattentive, right? So Mm -hmm. if you're not paying attention to something, you're going to be typically missing details, right? You're going to be being forgetful. So to kind of run through it, you've got People with this type, they fail to give close attention to details. They make careless mistakes. So a really clear example of this is yesterday I went to send flowers to somebody and I put in the address on the internet and I didn't double check it. So I sent it to a complete random. (laughs) So someone... Someone got flowers that they weren't meant to get flowers, but that's okay. So that's one of those things where it's like you are so just like busy that... Mm you're not paying attention. Yeah. So I guess that's a very clear way of how it manifests. And if you see any of Barry, my content, when you think of like hyper-focus, like we did a video last night where it's like, it's inattention isn't even sometimes the best word for it. Cause like, it's not actually an issue with attention. It's an issue with like balancing the attention. You've got like either no attention or something and you're like disinterested or you've got that like hyper-focus. So like for me, I was on my computer because you had just sent me all of this stuff and I was like, oh my God, I'm like hyper-focusing on it. And Barry was just trying to have a conversation around what I wanted for dinner. And I had a whole conversation that I didn't even realize I'd had. And then I was like, okay, so where's dinner? And he's like, I've been trying to ask you for 30 minutes. what you wanted so like that's an example of that hyper I did see that video last night and I saw you on your computer and I was like oh I wonder if she's looking at the stuff I sent her I was (laughs) I'm a part of the video (laughs) yeah I was going I I should have honestly tagged you and been like thank you for causing this (laughs) um but yeah so like I guess this example where it says often does not seem to listen when spoken to directly so like Barry's Mm -hmm specifically asking me what do you want for dinner and I'm like huh (laughs) anyway so they like with the inattention type you often don't follow through on instructions or kind of like fail to finish things so the stock standard you're upstairs vacuuming then you walk into the bathroom you start doing a load of laundry you're in the laundry you don't actually put the laundry on then you realize the benches need wiping and then you're in the kitchen and then you're making lunch like that's that right that's a real clear example or of that. For me, it's like I go to um, clean one room and then all of a sudden the entire house is torn apart. But even my business manager, <laughs> Jess, messaged me the other day. I was like, I need to clean my house. She's like, okay, but just clean one room. She's like, don't go and fucking spend the whole day. <laughs> You're like, I'm going to Kmart to buy containers and rearrange yeah. everything. Like, <laughs> exactly. that's me. If I clean my, yeah. my makeup desk or my cupboards, the way that I will just, I will always find a way to, to go and buy boxes, some kind yeah. of box, <laughs> whether it's containers for the fridge, 100%. boxes for the laundry or under the sink. It's just like my brain just wants boxes to put things in. Yeah. 
anyway yeah so <laughs> yes I completely relate to that um and then yeah you've got things like has difficulty organizing tasks and activities um a lot of that has to do with like people having like people that are actually struggling to be able to like kind of put things in order so like we mm. struggle to like figure out what needs priority even if like we write down on a list you know these three are top priority if you've got three in the top priority you're still trying to figure out what's the most priority right and yeah. sometimes they're equal so it's hard to really understand that so then it's like you have difficulty actually you spend two hours trying to organize the tasks when you could have literally completed all of the tasks in the time that you spent organizing them so then yeah. it's like you often avoid or you dislike or are reluctant to engage in tasks that required sustained mental effort a real clear example of this for me is literally responding to text messages because Mainly. responding to a text message 99% of the time does not require just me responding. It requires me looking at my calendar. It requires me moving things around. It requires me having a conversation with Barry, then checking my emails to see if I've missed. Like that's like 10 tasks that I have to do to like answer that one text. So then I'm like, yeah. I just don't get to it. So like I just continually like reluctantly put it off and then it's like mm -hmm. I have no friends because <laughs> I do have yeah. friends. But like it's like you're like your friends are like, are oh, you dead? <laughs> like what yeah. happened? No, that's that. mine are text messages as well and like DMs and also phone calls. Like I just can't do phone calls. I cannot. Yeah. Like I'm just, I just, yeah. <laughs> and I feel I so bad because, because I'm like, I need to call some friends sometimes, but like, it's just not for me. <laughs> I think it's because like when you get on a phone call, it's like the, the idea with a text, but like 10 of those situations could come up on a phone call. Like, mm. you know what I mean? You could end up after a phone call, you could end up with like a list of like 10 things you need to do. And you're like, yeah. that's too much. So you like subconsciously just like avoid it. <laughs> That's yeah, me anyway. yeah and I sit on the phone um, and and we'll like do something else anyway so <laughs> yeah exactly exactly I'll amount of people I'll be on the phone like having a conversation with and they're like are you doing something else right now I'm like uh yeah I'm writing yeah. now because <laughs> yeah. this is incredibly unstimulating yeah <laughs> and my brain went to try and occupy myself now I have no idea what you're talking about so you're like yeah. kicking the box calling your mates but like it's exactly it's yeah um, yeah, and then, like, I guess other things are, like, you lose things um, necessary for tasks. So, yeah, losing things like pens, paperwork, glasses, phones, um, easily distracted by, I guess this is where that, like, joke of, like, people with ADHD are like, oh, squirrel. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> which it is true to some degree, but, like, to give a bit more of, like, a realistic, I guess, situation is it's like if you and I are talking right now and I can hear the boys downstairs talking my brain is like what are they mm -hmm. talking about like that's what it's more like stimulus that you can't like it's it's everyday stimulus it doesn't have to be yeah. like you're talking and then you're like wow like it's not yeah. intense like <laughs> it is intense like that sometimes but like usually people in their 20s have like learned to mask so like Mm -hmm. I'm mentally having the thoughts of what's that sound, what's that sound, what's that sound, but I'm still holding a yeah. conversation with you. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah. Then, yeah, just your typical is forgetful in daily activities. So that's kind of like the inattentive type. And it's important to note that this is the type that's usually like females are found to have this type more than mm. boys. Um, then you've got, yeah, like the hyperactive type, which I'll kind of just go through quickly. So it's like, um, often fidgets or taps hands or feet. Um, like I've been fiddling with this 
the whole time to like yeah. keep my hands <laughs> occupied. Um, so often leave seats in situations. Um, so a lot of these are like, I guess a lot of these examples when you look at the DSM-5, they give them that they'll give you examples of like children, like they'll say mm-hmm. leaves leaves his seat in the classroom. Whereas like as an adult, that just means like you get up to go, like you're if you're working from home, you get up to go to the fridge and get a random glass of water or even just look in it. Mm-hmm. So like you've got the hyperactive component, but you don't realize it's hyperactive because it doesn't look like a little kid running around. But it's yeah, just that inability yeah. to like stay in one spot kind of thing. Yeah, you're not um, the school so kid not like, paying attention. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it's like being ab- unable to like engage in leisure activities quietly. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we're just, that's usually the people that are kind of like talkative a lot. Um, they're often on the go or they seem as if they're driven by a motor. So one mm-hmm. thing with me and Barry will say this <laughs> is that like, I can't sit still as in like, I can sit still, but the only time I can sit still is if I'm being stimulated Mm. or I've I've got a task to do and I'm like focused on that task um but even then like like I say all the time like I don't even think I could go on a holiday out in like the middle of nowhere because I would simply it's like my worst nightmare like I like the idea of it I'm like oh that's so relaxing but like the second I'm on any holiday I'm like what activities are here what can we do What time How can is we fill up the day? <laughs> what time is dinner happening? <laughs> when are we going? So yeah. yeah. Um, then it's just like often talks excess- excessively. This is a big one. So like often blurts out or like interrupts. Mm. So like has waiting, has, they say like has difficulty waiting your turn. I guess that's yeah. more of like a kid, that child kind of mentality. But waiting your turn, yeah. it just, it means like when you're standing in line, like it's not that you're going to push. In, like a kid would do that but like you'd be sitting there on your phone or you'd be like fidgeting your leg more because it's just like you're like hurry up and like it's like when mm. I'm walking behind someone who's slow I'm like for goodness yeah. sake <laughs> yeah. I really appreciate you human being but like walk faster or move yeah so it's like it's like that like waiting your turn is more so just I guess that's the more realistic way of seeing it um yeah. and yeah so often I guess overshares because it's that like impulsive nature um, and then, yeah, people with, like, ADHD, particularly the hyper, hyperactive impulsive type, are, like, more likely to engage in things like drug taking or, like, um, addictions or impulsive or risky sex, like, that kind of stuff. Like, you've got, mm. um, yeah, you've you've just got those more impulses or impulse shopping or, like, yeah, so that's, yeah. that's kind of that piece. And then, um, yeah, the combined ADHD is basically just the two combined, like without having to redo all the symptoms. Um, but it's pretty much everything I just talked about as a whole. Um, yeah. An important thing to note is the hyperactive impulsive type, the one I just spoke about. That one is the one that's um, more commonly in boys or in men. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So women can still have it. It's just more common. Yeah. Yeah. And so with the combined, is that kind of an equal between both or is that more women? Um, I think I actually don't know the answer to that, to be honest. I think my gut would say it's more men, to be completely Mm -hmm. honest with you. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, it could be kind of like 50-50, but I'd have to get back to you on that. Um, yeah, but yeah, okay. in terms of the it's, it's that, that yeah, share. it's so interesting because I was never really told what type I was, but I definitely would say combined as well. Now that we've gone through that, yeah, 
Yeah. And I think that's that's another thing that like I guess um yeah, the healthcare profession still is kind of like not on the ball with. Like I, I've heard a lot mm. of people say that they've got the diagnosis and then I'm like, cool, what type are you? And they're like then they're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> There's because, more. <laughs> yeah. Because like at the end of the day, like if you've if you've been diagnosed with ADHD and you've got the impulsive type, um then you know you you may not really actually kind of fit into the all those inattention kind of like yeah situations like and then you know if you're treating inattention um you're not treating and there's also those natural ways that I was speaking about like if you've got the inattention type that's more about like finding I guess apps and like tools like google home like you told me about google home like that's more for the inattention type right that's not going to help with my hyperactivity that's going to help with Mm. like managing it in that sense whereas like the hyperactivity is like i know like if you go into my desk i have fidget spinners everywhere and like it it feels weird to say but like it genuinely helps like it keeps a part of my body busy um but yeah like when you really understand which type you are you can start actually understanding how to treat it or how to manage it mm. better. So that's that kind of, um, I guess, is a way that the health profession needs to kind of like improve. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think it's, I mean, yeah. not knowing what type you are, it actually, it, yeah, it, it would, because uh, I know bef- like this list, I'm like, send me this list because <laughs> I'm like, it yeah. actually would help so much with actually identifying what is potentially ADHD? There are some things that you said there where I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So like I do that. I didn't actually ever relate it to ADHD, but now it helps with that awareness where I'm like, okay, cool. So I know that this, like, for example, I know this is part of my ADHD, but with like my focus, it's like, okay, cool. Well, I, I know that doing these things like having a cold shower or like putting on binaural beats or something like that. I know that they actually, you know, stimulate the dopamine and they help with my focus. So yeah, it's good to be kind of self-aware of, of what is actually related. Yeah. Which is, yeah, I think I, I totally agree. And I think that's, that's actually what the cool thing is about. Like, that's what I'm saying about like how the people actually sharing their experiences with ADHD and putting a name to it that, you know, me sitting on the couch typing on my computer and Barry trying to have a conversation with me, that is an example of ADHD Mm. playing out in real life. And it's Mm. people going, oh, my God, like I do that literally 10 times a day, every day. And so then it kind of like it's giving them that real life aha moment that it isn't just that textbook, you know, they're hyper-focused and don't listen to what people say. Like it's, yeah, yeah, it goes so much deeper than that. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah. I think to answer your question, um, I forgot to answer it, where, when you said like what is ADHD, ADHD mm. is basically just like a neurodevelopmental um, impairment or disorder. So yeah. there's kind okay. of like different, different, I guess, causes, but to be completely honest, there's not been like one cause of it. Like mm. they're still doing a lot of research. Like it's not conclusive basically. There's just a lot right. of like it could be this, it could be this, it could be this, um, but it's not a conclusive kind of yeah, they don't know yet. <laughs> what What is it at the moment that is like potentially the causes? Um, so I've kind of categorized it like in my courses I go through it, but like the first one is there's a big genetic component or like hereditary component. So hmm. um, basically they've done like a lot of like family studies where they've found that typically like if 
one of the parents or if both parents have ADHD, there's like a really high likelihood. I don't know the exact statistic, but there's a really high likelihood that the child will then also have ADHD. So that's actually how a lot of people in like, I guess a lot of middle-aged people are now finding out they have ADHD yeah. is because their child is getting diagnosed and then the doctor is actually saying, hey, we know that this genetic component exists. Um, we know that it's it's very, there's that very high genetic component. So it's like, hey, like, let's look at the parents. Oh, yeah, we mm. can see mum presents like this. And then that's when, you know, you've got these adults now these parents now being diagnosed and even like my dad yeah. like my dad's not not technically diagnosed um but yeah. his mum which was my grandma it's very clear <laughs> then you look at my dad and then me and then you look at my yeah. brother who's he's yeah there's just like you can definitely see that genetic component um yeah so yeah I guess that's the genetic kind of pattern and I think um yeah basically like researchers have identified that there's like specific genes that are more associated with ADHD um okay which genes yeah it's so interesting since I started well since I got diagnosed and started doing research I like looked at my dad and I was like you've got it for sure (laughs) like there is no doubt about it (laughs) no for sure it's so it's so interesting but um and that's something I really I like to teach too because I think it's really important to know that like one day if you want children like it's important to know that that genetic component exists because it's like Mm -hmm. hey like you can really understand this early on because yeah. one you know it for yourself but then two you know that that connection exists so that's probably yeah. what's going on yeah, um then 100%. you've got like I guess the neurological factors um which is basically like you've got like imbalances in the brain chemicals so like the dopamine um the neurotransmitters and then you've also got the structural abnormalities so there's basically there's different structures in the brain that like certain pathways aren't as strong or there's like it's not that there's blockages but it's basically just they're not as strong so like when you look at the emotional regulation piece of adhd or the emotional dysregulation the reason that that happens compared to like a neurotypical person is because there's actually they call it like a filter like and i can't exactly off the top of my head remember i think it's the basal ganglia there's like a particular component that in a neurotypical brain, it acts as a filter, which means that when mm. someone feels that intense intense feeling, it's like it goes back through the filter and the emotion is kind of like dampened down. Whereas like for the ADHD person, the filter's not there. So it just like goes and you, you don't get the filter. You don't get that like the regulation basically, which is why that dysregulation component is. But yeah, they've, they've definitely found that there's like compared to the neurotypical brain when they've done like brain imaging studies and whatnot they've found that like it's just there's a big difference in terms of like what areas light up how intense they light up um and like the pathways and stuff so there's definitely that neurological kind of factor and then there has been some studies that looked at like environmental factors um and like when I guess moms are pregnant with babies like if exposure to certain um, like toxins or infections um, during like the pregnancy basically can potentially like increase the risk of like that baby being born with um, Mm. ADHD. And I think from memory, I think it's like being exposed to toxins like lead, I think is a big one. Um, But yeah, so that, I guess those three, like there's, there's definitely pieces there, like they're starting to put the, the puzzle together um but yeah with all of these causes 
Is it um, yeah. something that you, I guess, I mean, with all of these things, it's like, okay, so if someone has ADHD, they've essentially already always had it. Or is it something yeah. that, you know, I've heard a lot of people say that you can get it later in life, which is one of the no. misconceptions, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that that's one of the big misconceptions is that like in the actual definition of ADHD, it's a neurological impairment, neurological disorder um, of, yeah, like the brain's executive function. And it, it's basically to be diagnosed with ADHD, it means you were born with it. It wasn't yeah. something you developed. And I think there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of, and I think this is an important thing to talk about, is like the world we currently live in or the world that particularly the younger generations are growing up in is an incredibly stimulating and fast-paced environment. So it's not to say that they're developing ADHD later on in life, but it, it is to say that potentially like the behaviours or like the way their brain is coping with their environment is mimicking some degree of ADHD symptoms so it's not that it's ADHD right because ADHD is a separate like it's its own thing it's got the neurological components it's got the um like the genetics and stuff like you have to be born with it but that's not to say that like I mean every human experiences inattention you don't have to have ADHD to be to experience inattention so like Mm -hmm. humans will still experience um things based on their environment like when you look at stress like back in the day when our environments were far more stressful I'm sure that you know depression was probably higher anxiety was probably higher like it's not to say that they necessarily have like clinical like generalized anxiety disorder it just means that like the environment that they were in was mimicking that kind of thing take them out of that environment they may not experience those things but like yeah, anyway, so that's kind of like I think that's where the research is looking into now as well is because you've got people that have been diagnosed or like kind of have had it for such a long time not being in that environment. Like we weren't, I wasn't exposed to like phones and like social media and like trends and like fast-paced trends and like kind of like constantly being stimulated. Like I actually didn't grow up with that. So I very much know that like the experiences I had weren't environmental in that sense whereas like today's day and age like every time you go out to a cafe if you see kids there with their parents the kids have got ipads right it's not to say that it's wrong and i probably wouldn't do it or like i i would yeah it's not like i'm not judging in any sense um but it's to say like those kids are being raised with screens constantly being stimulated so that would do something to their brain and i think we just don't have like the longitudinal research yet to really understand or know like what is happening, but yeah, mm. it's my spiel on it. Yeah, wow. <laughs> it's so funny for a moment there, like I actually just forgot that we were on a podcast. It just feels like I'm just sitting here like learning <laughs> from you. I'm so engaged by what you're saying. I just love it. I feel like I'm going to need to have like a couple of follow-up episodes because I've got a million more questions. <laughs> no, that's so fine. That is so fine. Yeah, but I think what we can finish off with is if someone is listening to this and you know, they are, I don't know, maybe maybe watching your TikToks or looking on, you know, there's a lot of people who are kind of identifying a lot of traits in themselves in, in ADHD yeah. content at the moment. What's your best piece of advice for someone who is at the point where they might be thinking that the next step is to get diagnosed? I think the first, like the main thing I want to kind of say here is that like self-diagnosis is very valid. 
And that may be like a controversial thing to say or like something that isn't widely accepted. But the reason I say that is that the next point I want to make is that getting a diagnosis is a privilege. It is such a Mm. privilege. It's not funny. Like if you do not have um, like there's so many things. And when I say privilege, I mean you may not have the money right? You may not have the finances to be able to fund getting a diagnosis. I don't know how much yours was. Mine was quite expensive. I know that varies. (laughs) Then not to mention, you have to then afford the medication, but not only Mm -hmm. just affording the medication, you have to then afford to be able to, like, I think it's twice a year or like a couple times a year, Mm -hmm. you have to go back to the psychiatrist to get the medication. Then you think about the fact that you have to have access to transport to get there. You have to have access to I guess, education around how to even book in to see a psychiatrist. Like I come from a pretty educated background and even that was difficult for me. I was like, okay, what's the process? Like, how do I do it? So like, I can understand that like, if you're not exposed to, I guess, that kind of information, of course, you're going to have no idea. So I think it's just really important to understand that like, Whilst if if there's someone in your life that is saying, or if you are someone that is saying like, holy cow, I think that's me. um, Or even if you hear someone else in your world saying that, like it's really important to not dismiss them and say, you know, oh, you shouldn't self-diagnose or, oh, you shouldn't do this. Like I can assure you that if someone has thought that 90% of the time, that's just a statistic I whipped out of my ass, but like majority of the time, people are going to have looked into it pretty in-depth they're going to have like reflected to a degree where they're like, damn, like I pretty sure I have like ADHD. Like this is pretty intense. Like, um, so yeah, I think that's the first point I want to make is that self-diagnosis is very valid, right? Mm. There's also a lot of shame you have to overcome. You may have grown up in a family where you've heard your whole life that, you know, the topic around mental health is really, you know, not something that's widely accepted. So actually from the point of, oh, I think I have ADHD, I might have this then getting a diagnosis might be a really long time because you've got a lot of like the the negative beliefs or core beliefs that you kind of have to unpack around that. So that's the first point. The second point I want to make is that I guess is the more practical sense. So if, if you've got the, the money, you know how to get the kind of information, the first step is go to a GP, point blank. If you yeah. are firm, and this is actually kind of like a bit more of an advocacy stance but if you are pretty certain that you have ADHD and you go to a GP and they have a similar reaction to the psychologist that I saw that was very much like everyone has ADHD right now and he's very dismissive go to a different GP continue going to a GP until you find a GP that you feel safe enough sharing that with Mm -hmm. and that is going to listen because it's like anything you know you can go to one GP with an issue and they will say you know Like I could go with a stomach ache and that one of them could be like, you have irritable bowel syndrome. And then another one could be like, you have polycystic ovaries. And like, it's just, you, you have to go and you have to keep advocating for yourself. Like you have Mm. to trust your own intuition on this. Right. So going to your first GP, if you have a bad reaction, understand that it's that person is a, I guess, product of their time that they learned about ADHD. So it's, seeing it and just going okay thank you next right potentially doing some research about like what doctors are really good with treating ADHD but they could be more expensive so it's just a bit of trial and error finding one that works my advice when you go to a doctor is to not walk in and simply just say I think I have ADHD (laughs) 
that isn't going to get you very far, like far, to be completely honest. What I would suggest you do is you get a pen and paper or your notes app, whatever you want to do. And for the next week, you watch some videos, you know, you write down what you relate to, what about it was an aha moment for you. And then you look at your own life and you go, okay, what areas is ADHD impacting my life? Is it the emotions? Is it this? Is it that? Write down your symptoms. Literally go into the doctor's office with an exhaustive list of your symptoms. You can ask friends and family. You can say, hey, you know, if they're safe, you know, if they're going to be accepting of what you've got to say. But you can ask them and you say like, hey, this is what I'm thinking. Like, is there anything that's kind of like you're going, yeah, that's you or like you do this as well. You do this as well. So get a list, go in there and say, hey, I've done some research on ADHD. Um, I understand that, you know, I can't diagnose myself off the internet, but I really think that this is impacting my life. Here is how it's impacting my life. I would really like to get assessed, right? You've got to be, you've got to be, um, you've got to advocate for yourself because Mm. nine times out of 10, they're going to be like, "Mm, okay. (laughs) So you ask for a referral to either a psychiatrist or a um, psychologist, depending on where you are in Australia. Um, They will then basically do a similar thing where they will take you in, they'll book you in. Um, It depends on the psychiatrist, but like they can do anything from like self-questionnaires, evaluations. Um, My psychiatrist asked to speak to, sometimes they'll ask to speak to like a family member or a friend to kind of like, not so much vouch for you, but like just give another perspective of like yeah. what's going on. They asked for my school record. So it's basically just any like evidence, any kind of like patterns that you can show is kind of like backing up what you're thinking. Um, and they might mm. even do like a medical exam, right? Because one of the things is to get diagnosed, they have to then also eliminate that it's not something else going on, right? So like you're not an alcoholic or like you're not regularly doing other things so they'll do a medical exam or they'll do other kind of tests to screen you and then basically from that like from all the information that's like collected from like the like diagnostic interview and whatnot they will then give you a diagnosis or kind of explore other avenues for you but yeah first step first is advocating for yourself writing writing it all down and then going to a gp (laughs) yeah and then final step is coming to tara for the endless learning that she yeah. will give you. <laughs> so once you get your diagnosis, come watch my videos and have a laugh and then we'll yes, get chatting. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, on that note, where can everyone find you and, you know, give yourself a little plug? What have you got coming up? All of the things. It depends if you want a laugh or more serious content. But um, <laughs> if you want a laugh, me and Barry, or Barry does a great job at finding the funny parts of me with ADHD. And if you're in a relationship, then definitely go to, oh, I feel like I'm on the radio or something, but definitely go to, it's just Tara. <laughs> it's just Tara.n.barry. That's both on Instagram and then TikTok. And then mine is just Tara Elizabeth underscore on both yeah, Instagram and TikTok. And Amazing. in terms of what's coming up, I've got one-on-one coaching, one-on-one mentorship. Um, but yeah, I've got a lot of courses around, I guess, relationships and ADHD. And then an exciting one that's kind of going to be like a little ADHD starter pack, which will be exciting. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned. Love it. And they're all amazing. Trust me. I've seen them all. (laughs) All right, Tara. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And we're going to have to do another few episodes because we've gone half an hour over time and I still have more to ask you. So. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, that's okay. I'm excited. It'll be good. I can talk talk your ear off some more. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for allowing me to be in your ear holes today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited that you chose to spend a little part of your day listening to my podcast. And I am so grateful that you are here. You are more than welcome to go and follow, subscribe, rate, review, share, all of the things that podcasters are supposed to tell you to do. But what I would most want from you is if you listen to this episode and you thought of someone in your life that you think could benefit from it too, just share it with them. Because there's nothing more powerful than actually sharing the tools with people that they're going to help and that they're going to inspire. That is my life's mission. So if you feel that there is someone who is going to benefit from this information, that's all I ask of you. Have a wonderful day. Love you, bye.